Well, because I'm German, I was going to do the... Yeah! Yeah! Go! Flashlight, yeah, flashlight, German techno. <laughs> yeah! There's no melody in this. <laughs> no, I just love that, man. That was perfect. That was Hans, our special guest today. And uh, Carlito. We got another show going on. Oh my God. Uh, first of all, big shout out to Home Base here, Skylux. We want to say thank you to Mark so much for helping us out and yes. making it a difference in the industry. Yes. You guys want a roofer, ACM cladding, anything like that? Give him a call. I see a lot of bottles of booze here. It must be the holidays. Hey, man, when you're a roofer, you got to drink, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. So let's get it back. So to the left of me, to the right of you, we've got Hans. Hey. And thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, my pleasure. Wait, uh, can we do some more techno beats before we start? <laughs> Hans, tell us a lot about you and uh, how you got started in this industry. Well, I came out of solar. Uh, we were oh, building solar farms uh, in 2012. There were really big grid-tied solar farms, 10 to 20 megabyte, uh, megawatts in that range. So In Canada? Few, yeah, in Belleville? Canada. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So we got so was, many solar farms. I'm in, I mean, my house is in uh, Prince Edward County. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was doing sales and project management for, for a German company. And I love German companies. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the tricky thing was that I came out of the, the show business, went into that, wanted to do something to, to actually make a difference. What were you doing in the show business? I was an audio engineer touring. Got it. With okay. Bands and that kind of no oh, wow. way. All right. So there's a lot. Okay. All right. Show business, solar panels. Yeah. I just used my tour management to really transfer into project management. And you're really managing people yep. and projects, whether that's now a tour or that's solar farm, you know, with some common sense, you can kind of trans a transition. But I went into solar to make a difference. And then the Ontario government pulled the, the rug out from, wow. from underneath us. That never happens. <laughs> well, the whole the whole industry, I think, was really just really only worked because of the subsidies, and then I saw the the industry crumble, and I said, "This is it. I'm out." Before things go really bad, and I wanted to get into something that was more achievable without subsidies. So I found out about Passive House, and then just went headfirst into that. So you I didn't know anything around. about Passive House. You just went into it. Correct. Yeah. That's a little bit of a well. You leap must of have. You're faith. already into solar, so you're already in the right direction. Not, not really, because well, that's power generation, and we were doing the foundations and the racking for that. That had very little to do with it. Okay. So on the t on the surface of it, people always think, oh, solar, it's super sexy, and that's like the future, and then that kind of ties into passive house, also super sexy, and modern and hip. Yeah, yeah correct. And but so again, I just transitioned into that, and I looked around. You know, what's what's really missing in the industry? And how can I get into it? And how can I make a difference? Yeah, this is what I want to hear. So I looked at, I assumed what, that See, one Jeff. of the issues with, with integration was that we didn't have enough products or the right products. So really, I was looking at Germany and what they're doing. And, they're doing everything. And how they're building it. Yeah. Yeah. And There's so, no comparisons here. Are you like us, Hans, where we're thinking Canada is like the last stop of any kind of interesting technology? Of technology. Technology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, when I first came here, it was always funny. <laughs> I came here in 2001. I always, th I always said, I was pretty cocky back then. Yeah. Uh, uh, Germans, most Germans think they're it, but really. <laughs> I like it. It's, you know, it's, it's great it's that really we have a German saying that because we don't want to say it. <laughs> no, but, but the funny thing is we always speak about first world and third world. And I'm like, 
where's the second world? And so I was called <laughs> Canada Second World. That's a good point. So now, but nowadays, that's so politically incorrect, we can't even yeah, say Yeah, well, let's not worry about politically correct on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a broadcaster to answer to. So, okay. All right. So passive, huh? Yeah. So I went into that and started importing supplies, building supplies from Germany and from Switzerland, uh, selling uh, HRVs, uh, tapes, membranes. This is how long ago? This I started in 2013. Okay. Yeah. So not and too long ago. No, not that long ago. It feels like a lifetime for me. My end goal was always to do prefabrication. And so I was importing these goods and realized after two or three years that I constantly kept on failing my goal of wanting to do prefabrication because I was so inundated with just importing and selling these products. And then one of one, a big frustration started was that I, um, I was selling these, these products that were suited for energy-efficient, healthy homes, but I saw a lot of people not using them correctly. I was kind of like, come on already. So I was selling Zender at, the point, uh, at that point, okay. HRV units. Okay. When you say that people weren't using them correctly, what do you mean? Like they were doing... Yeah, so this was not about... So Zender I was selling, I was doing really well with selling those, those devices. And the whole house uh, HRV units. I think this was 2015. In September, so at the beginning of that year, I wanted to really make a push into starting to build houses. In September, I realized I had been occupied just with selling for nine months straight. And so I cut that off. That was a big part of my income, just cut right there. This was always me by myself, uh, doing almost a million dollars of sales a year. Oh, wow. And I was doing warehousing and driving out and looking after everything. Not using correctly was, for instance, I was selling tapes and wood fiber board. It's important in the building physics of a wall. I was delivering them and guys were not applying them correctly or overdoing it. And it was just the efficiencies of how these materials were invented and what they were designed to do was not really being used. Is that as a result of... A lack of understanding of how to do these, how to use these I products. Think, yeah, I think there's a lot of because our mindset's so people want to use the product, but they don't know how to use it. Yes. Well, there's a lot of those things in our industry. There's a lot of education that is lacking. A lot yes. of guys actually like me that just go into it. So the guys that I, I was working with, um, always German carpenters, they were <laughs> always critiquing me. About oh you don't know anything. Over the years, I've really picked up. I've picked up a lot. I love this. But but now I see it myself, where it's like yeah, there's a big there's a big gap between industries in Europe and here. Oh, massive. Well, I was gonna ask you. I hear you talking about wood, and like when I think about Europe, it's always stone and concrete. Yeah. And then there are a few like cottages that are log homes. Mm. That's what I see in Germany that I know of. So how did you get into like wood products here? Is it because of what we use here? No, it was really um, Passive House was promoting that Okay. For, for really the solutions. And then also, it's interesting. So Passive House really looked at Canada and found energy efficient solutions here. Uh, so one of the first Passive Houses was built in uh, Saskatchewan, I think. Nice um, cold place to be. Exactly, in mm-hmm. the 70s. Okay. And so it was really in one of the, the founding members of the Passive House Institute in Germany, or the, well, the guy, the guy at the top, he um, attributes a lot of his findings and a lot of the Passive House knowledge to a Swedish industry and some in Canada as well. 
And he just kind of put it all together and the Germans ran with it. And they were building wood houses because they could get the efficiency out of it. Less conduction? Yeah. Yeah. Or just um, easier also, to work with. Well, we're dealing with, with walls that, ha that are in the R40 to R50. Wow. Holy and so, cow. We're talking about roofs and, and floors here being in R40 or 50 or 60 now. Yeah, correct. And this walls is in the 70s? This was the 70s. That they were yeah, doing. but still, but still is. So nowadays, there's technically no excuse to do this anymore. Of course not. But wow. yeah, in, so the, um, the I think this I, for, I forgot what it's called the Saskatchewan Conservation House. I think it is. Okay. And I'm not sure what the values are there. They really tried to figure out how can we build very efficiently and safely. I think within reasonable budget. And so. So they proved it. But they, yeah, there's been proof all over the world. So why hasn't it become so much like mainstream? Why hasn't it become mainstream? Yeah, that's a tricky question. There's not the real I thing. think is it not glamorous? There's too many people pulling into too many different directions. Well, I the also I also think that we're set in a way that we haven't changed our ways. We're just you just jump on board and you keep doing what the guy across the street's doing from you or the contractor that showed you. No one's reinventing it or really looking at what we should be really doing yeah. to make a difference. Well, there's here in Canada, we don't really build for long term. For the long, so I'm glad you said that. We just spoke about we don't. that. It's, we don't. I, we really talk about a 50 year house here instead yeah. of a 250 year house. Yeah, but even I don't think we build for 50 years. Even no. we've gone shorter, shorter and shorter. Yeah. And I'm actually quite scared to see what's going to happen with the houses up north of Toronto, because some of them are just being banged up so quickly. People are mortgaged up to the nines. Yeah. If something happens and they actually have to fix, fix that house, they may not even be able to do that. And so then they may have to abandon their mortgage. And, and others in that whole subdivision get afraid. There may, may be one of those 2008 things that triggers. But you know yeah, what? You're, you're so right. We've spoke about this before and I tell people all the time. I have homeowners tell me, oh, you know, my mother, she lives in a house and she can't afford to redo her roof or her windows. And I'm like... Okay, move out. You're not the kind of person that can afford a home. Stop living in a home because you're in a fantasy that all your friends live in a home. If you can't do the maintenance or afford to do the maintenance, get out. You need to live in a condo or a, an apartment. But I was just going to say, so condos are not that much better either, structurally speaking, but not efficiently speaking. Yeah. So that's not really an alternative. But they're getting better. That's not a solution. They are getting better. Then, then they also are doing the stacked townhomes now. Right, which is basically just two bad homes on top of each other. That's yeah. all it is. So that's not much better either. So where are you supposed to be living then? You're supposed to find, I guess, these century homes and going, but nobody can afford those because they're just stupid expensive because of the neighborhoods that they're in. It's it's really tricky. Yeah, um, I live in an in an old house, 1932, and it's a thousand. It's less than a, than 1,100 square feet. Okay, we've got three bedrooms, bathroom, uh, one and a half bathrooms, and I think that's really what. A lot of families should be in rather than building these bigger houses focus on the quality a little bit smaller better livable than just building these, well, I agree. these huge buildings. well i think and i know manny doesn't like talking about politics or religion but i'm willing to put my finger in it where it belongs in both yeah <laughs> um but the problem is is that we allowed a lot of outsiders to invest in canada and they changed the market the cost of homes they just purchased everything, gobbled it all up. They created a change of prices that weren't realistic. This was money they had. It didn't affect them because there was no more worrying about interest. They just rented these places out. It made Canadians that live here and work here un 
untouchable. Like you now can't almost buy a house in Toronto. Oh, it's it's, it's crazy. insane. Yeah, it's and that's because of so outside just, investors, right? Yeah, I just built um, a house downtown Toronto. The guy, the owner, bought a seven hundred thousand dollar single lot and tore it down. Oh my god! And they're rebuilding it. They they're putting a duplex on it, which is Brilliant. nice. But they're one point five million dollars somewhere in that range per apartment per duplex. And that's cheap. Or per per, per du- side per. S- I think oh, so somewhere wait, in that so, range. Hang on, so he severed so he severed a lot. And he's putting two dwellings. Yeah, I don't know the. Or he's how putting he's a dwelling on top of each other. They're they're side by side duplex. Okay, so he severed a lot and he's put two dwellings, and yeah. he's spending one point five per dwelling. So he's spending. No, three... I think that's what he's going to sell them for. Oh, he's going to sell them for that. But they're fifteen hundred square feet on three levels. That's the only the way that you can actually turn around and make a profit as a result of it. You can't take a seven hundred thousand, knock it down, build a new house for a million dollars, and then you can't. It's going to be difficult for you to sell it for two million or two point five million. No, they're they're cool places, but I mean it's it's gone bonkers. I don't know why. And how are we going to fix that? Then? Well, uh, just on my street enough. alone, I live downtown Toronto, uh, uh, just off of Bathurst and Bloor. The houses are ranging from two point five million to six million dollars. The property tax is twelve thousand dollars a year. If you're not, you know, a doctor or a lawyer, you can't live in the city uh, anymore. And on unless, that same street, unless you're old money. On that same street, fifty yeah. years ago, that house would have been what? Fifty-five thousand. Fifty-five. Forty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. It was realistic back then. And these were real homes that are going to last. My home will last another 150 years because it's real stone. It's real Douglas fir in there. You know, like there's the technology's old school, right? I believe you that we should be focusing on building homes that are smaller, more efficient. But you're fighting the North American mentality oh, yeah. of just like gluttony. It's just we want. Yeah, it's, it's totally crazy because I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting my own business because I could just go after big houses and just build them all day long. Yep. But because I'm picky about what I want to do, Good I don't get the business. We kind of went off on the the political tangent so much. No, oh, so what I believe sorry is, I did. So sorry. but the 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 mortgage I think nowadays we're actually building for what is just good enough for twenty five years. And like well, as long as it lasts the like mortgage saying. and then just crumbles apart. Yeah, that that it. it starts to fall apart. But the Your thing biggest is investment. Th- there's certain things in a home that should not fall apart after 20, yeah. 25 years. And so I focus on the complete unsexy parts of a house. The, yeah, the but we find them unsexy. We find no, them we incredibly find... sexy. <laughs> yeah. that's, we find them incredibly sexy. And that's what I want to dive into right now. I want to discuss those uh, you know, unsexy parts of the house, right? Because those things are the things that are going to make that house last centuries. Yeah. And the yeah, bang and so, for the and, buck. And coming back to wood versus stone, there's a big push even in Germany to build with, with wood. I don't, know what, really? I don't know what the real numbers are wood versus stone but because they have a huge prefabrication industry over there that all uses wood there's a ton of wood and with them the stipu- uh, the the stigma is actually oh yeah wood is crap um that was always my mindset that i always well, thought that's that how Europe. i thought too yeah well so it's, it's if you build a proper wood house you it's it's extremely comfortable well um, and warmer. we know that here like yes less conduction yeah. Okay. Um, so but let, we're talking about a completely different level of a wood house. Let's talk about that proper house. So let's talk about that proper wall. Let's talk about that proper roof. We know what traditional building code is, right? Yeah. So we know what, you know, two by six and, and reg- what is it nowadays? Two, it was two by four originally. Now it's, no, two, it's two, two by, by six. six. Yeah. And then it's R what, 30? No, 24 no, for 20, the walls. 24. 24. Yeah, I'm not even sure if that's, 
if that's uh, effective, our value, if that's just nominal. I'm not sure exactly. What's the roof that they're asking for? They're 60 now. Yeah, it used 60. to be R50, now it's R60. But the interesting thing about Woods, and I haven't really quite figured that out myself yet, is that in order to re achieve that R value, we just blow in a ton of cellulose up there. Yeah. I know quite a few Germans that say it's ineffective because of wind washing and it's just fluffy stuff yeah, up there and you just I agree. I don't know. I haven't Well, so there's different types of cellulose, right? Yeah, so. but I, I think that if you're going to use that product, I think that you should spray an inch of spray foam closed cell eco-friendly on top of the actual drywall or plaster or whatever you may have, then put the blown in on top. That way you have a thermal break. That way, the money that you're putting in your home stays inside your home and it has a memory so that you're actually, for every dollar you put in an hour, you get three hours back instead of just I'm actually going to challenge you on the spray foam okay. as well. Manny probably knew No, 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 no. I, I've <laughs> changed my opinion as well, too. I was just going to tell you, I was going to warn you, Hans, that Carlito hates bat. He just hates... No, I like Roxel. I just don't like pink insulation. Pink fiberglass. Sorry, pink fiberglass. Yeah. Well, it's the cheapest there is. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's useless, also. basically. It, it's completely you, useless. You squish it the wrong way, it these, loses these its days, value. These days, I'm a fan of doing a flash of foam, just mm -hmm. one inch, yeah. and packing it with, uh, with dense pack cellulose. And so one of the big challenges is understanding the building physics correctly Okay. Um, off your walls. There are, there are many ways that I see buildings being built here in Canada right now that are actually forbidden in Germany. And wow. I'm not forbidden. sure. So I love it. Yeah, literally forbidden. So if you see the, uh, the dense, it's like a foam board that is aluminum flashed. Yes. They put that on the outside yes. of the house. A lot of them are doing that now. Yeah, that's forbidden over there. What's because the reason why? If you have any materials that allow moisture to diffuse into, in, the, in the wall and hit that on the outside... It can condensate on the inside of your, of your uh, insulation there because there's no vapor that diffuses through your wall cannot escape on the outside. It's completely vapor tight. Aluminum is so vapor tight. So it's not breathable. Aluminum. That aluminum one is. Yeah. And so wow. there's a vapor pressure drop that happens right at that and it can lead to, to condensation and rot. I actually had a builder come to my booth, I think already two or three years ago now, and they made him tear out, uh, tear off the entire exterior siding and the insulation because it had it started rotting underneath it. He had to During rebuild. construction. Well, this was on a no. This was on a house that was three years old, and it started, it started rotting. rotting out. Wow. And so I'm not sure why we're not seeing it more often. If you look at the whole wall and you build vapor tight on the inside as well and you don't allow that much moisture to get to the outside. Yeah. Well, in Germany, they would build, they would use a wood fiber board on the outside and allow any kind of breathing, any kind of moisture just to to breathe out to the outside. And breathing is one of those terms that a lot of guys really well, hate because there's, there's no lungs in the house, you know? Or no, yeah, no, I, no I totally understand that because I tell people all the time, we control the give. When you control the give, you control how the, the house breathes. The lungs that you're talking about is how the house breathes is how it flexes. Mm. We have to control that as, as a builder or as a GC. Where are the problems here, Hans? Like, where... where... I'm not... A, I'm not I don't know if I'm clever enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, really I'm just trying to questions. think of, is, is every company trying to make a better product, but it's conflicting when you actually put it into the assembly of the house? Or is it conflicting against the actual building code that's designed a certain way? Yeah, so I'm currently doing a very small reno on my own house 
and I want, I'm about to use some products that my city doesn't know. I'm trying to see how can I apply them. I know that it's right. These are products from Germany. Correct. Okay. And not necessarily from Germany. But from but Europe, outside yeah. of Canada. Yeah. So they well, just need a CSA so really, approval, so that's the, all. The wall that I'm doing is from the inside. I have uh, a, an electrical chase or cavity, service cavity, which is really just two by two or two by four. Then I have a vapor control layer. This could be plywood and a membrane on it that, it, that has a fairly high, that is fairly impermeable. Okay. Then I have two by six or two by eight framing, and then I use a wood fiber board on the outside. And I did not put any OSB on the outside of that. Okay. So that I don't have a right. layer that is too, too vapor tight on the outside. So it's essentially I'm building a Gore-Tex jacket that I don't wrap. I'm not going to wrap something unbreathable like a, a, a rubber rain jacket on the outside of that. So no membrane so, of anything like that. So you there are membranes in it. So and now what I'm clashing up against with my city is the guy says, well, you're using the membrane. Are you using the layers in the wrong order? Because he's so known to see the sheathing on the outside. So the plywood that I put on the inside that I use to control my, my vapor and to do racking strength on the wall. Yeah. I don't put it on the outside. I put it on the inside and he doesn't like seeing that. Although it is. It's the same theory, just different. And, and if you look into the code, it doesn't. Nowhere does it say that you have to put this on the outside. We've just gotten so used to it. And in just our low efficiency, to, right? yeah, in our low efficiency walls with a two by four, a two by six, it works that you put that out there. The, the poly on the inside doesn't allow enough moisture to go into your wall to cause any of these issues. What and, are you putting inside the cavities? Oh, so in this case, it's going to be dense packed. Uh, cellulose. cellulose okay or i could go to um rock salt okay uh, but not foam. spray foam and not uh, pink fiberglass or anything like that. no not pink okay. although pink really the problem with pink i think is just the how undense it is um i'm not sure if the glass is really the problem but it's really well i i've so i've removed a lot of people's work and whenever i've seen pink in place i've always seen mold I've always seen, I always find like mice homes in the insulation. I always find moisture in pink insulation. Now I'm not saying that the pink draws moisture, but I think that's a failure of the wrap of the home. And mm. I know that you don't like the traditional wrapping of the home, but I also find that when you squish pink, it loses its R value right away. Mm. Where that's, I do like bad insulation. Don't get me wrong. Did, I'm, did, I'm a Roxel guy. Did bat or fiberglass was it ever used in Europe? Oh, it's used a ton. Oh, really? really? Yeah, even in those prefabricated houses. I really? think they just have different densities to it or maybe different qualities to it. Okay. I never built over there, so I don't know. But I do see that these products are used. They're used differently. Again, the whole wall assembly is different. I think the bat isn't the big part of it. It isn't, isn't that That's crucial. not the biggest problem of the it's, wall. No. The biggest problem of the wall is the exterior sheathing part of it? Just the, the physics of it, yeah. The so okay. in, in a German carpenter will use two rules in a wall. And he says the outside needs to be 10 times as vapor open as the inside. Okay. So that's for any kind of moisture that diffuses into the wall can, can diffuse Escape, on the outside. Right. And the other rule is that the vapor barrier needs to be no further than one third inside of the wall. So we put our vapor barrier all the way underneath the drywall. Yeah. They put them a little bit further in so that you don't constantly poke holes through it. Because once All you right. poke holes through it, 
then you allow moisture to get into the water. But when we get into uh, a five-star home, we use acoustic sealant. And that acoustic sealant in a five-star home, you have to put on every single stud, every bottom track, every upper sill. Anything that that vapor barrier connects to or a screw or a staple will go through, acoustic sealant goes in those places so that when you penetrate that uh, vapor barrier, it's sealed by the tar. So that's like a five-star home, not okay, a... Yeah, but when you come in later and you put, you know, you put pictures in or you put... Or you hang cabinets anything. or anything. You put anything. a new outlet in, you, the guy's not going to care. Now you've got a gigantic hole for just moisture. To that's get where the failure home. is, right? When you... Yeah. So, okay. So in your wall assembly, you want to move the six mil poly to what position? To the back the of... Or the no, middle no of the No further than, than a third in. So how do so you do, I actually, how do, you so do that? So our walls, that's why I have that service cavity. Got it. I put all my services on the inside into that service cavity and then the vapor barrier right behind that. So you've and taken then, a two by six and are you? So this is now a two by six with plywood. And then on the inside, I have either two by twos or a two by three. One of the houses that we built here in Toronto actually had two by fours on the inside. Of each one, of each cavity. Yeah, it was actually way crazier. It was two by four on the inside, then plywood, and then we had TGIs standing on end. Wow. So nine. So the whole wall was 14 inches thick. How did that wall test? As far as what? Is, as, is it working? Is oh, it, yeah, it works. We it know, works, right? It's yeah. breathing properly. Yeah, and so we, we used a, a, a vapor open wood sheathing material on the outside. That so is very a, specific a fiber to that. wood material. It's a wood fiber board, yeah, that was developed... In the 70s in Germany, back then they had the, uh, the the oil embargo and oil prices went through the roof and they had to figure out um, how do we efficient. how do we build more efficient houses. Mm-hmm. So they started looking at, at how we build houses here and realized that there are issues with using regular wood boards on the outside and that's why they developed that product. So since the, I think it's on the market since the 80s or 90s. Yeah, I've used it too. What's it's made out of? What it's made out of wood fibers. Yes, right. Virgin wood fibers, though. Okay. So they're not. They use very little glue in inside of that product, and that allows you to. Well, you you're, you're putting a lot less glue in it to glue all the dust in it. So it looks like an MDF board, but it's not. But it's way lighter. Yes. Yeah. So even if you take it into your hand, you'll notice this is way lighter. Yes. They've developed it back then. It's been the Kleenex of the industry of using <laughs> to be used. <laughs> I as like no, that. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah, right? it's the standard stuff. So what's the thickness that they're using that board in? This is just 5 eighths. 5 eighths, right? Okay. Yeah. They know that that's the right product to be used on the outside. You can also go to a much thicker product, which is like uh, almost, what, somewhere in the range of two inches. Depends on which Well, that's what I've been noticing is that same companies that are making that wood fiber board, they started at half inch or five eighths, but then they're making thicker versions of it. Yeah, are there because, benefits to thicker versions? Yes, version? because you can now use the thicker one, which is now your sheathing, uh, your air barrier. It breaks your thermal uh, bridging. Yes. Um, and all that in one. So they don't actually use any, any what we call building paper on the outside, the Tyvek on the outside. Yes. They just Not have that product. Yes. Yeah, either am I. It's and already so, on it. You tape it and you staple this product on there and then that's it. Tyvek's actually not breathable. Is, well, no, it's too breathable. No, no. no Tyvek's breathable. Yeah. Tyvek's not breathable. But it's micro-perforated, isn't 
and maybe so, now, but from when I, when I originally first started using it 20 years ago, that's where it was. I've so far past that. Now I used a breathable product. We, we both have a different product, but I use a, a blue skin breathable peel and stick. Mm. It allows the vapor not to go through, but the air vapor can still travel through. It still breathes, but it's waterproof. Mm. So if you pour water on it, the actual water won't go and swell the, the material behind it, but it will allow the vapor to, to travel through it, still giving it a waterproof, right? Yeah. And so the trick, um, so with that thicker material, you can now use regular lumber. So at that passive house that I was just talking about with a TGI as mm -hmm. your insulation layer, you have almost no thermal bridging because you have your OSB webbing of the TGI that conducts very little energy through it. Yeah. So we were able to use just that, that 5 8 wood fiber board. But if you were to go and design a little thinner wall, let's say you use 2 by 6 or 2 by 8 and then you put that 2 inch wood fiber board on the outside, it breaks your thermal bridging. So walk me through this wall again. So this wall is how thick? Overall, they're they're varying. It depends, but generally yes. they're not two by six thick. They're thicker than that. Yes, but mainly because of the layers that you add. The to layers it. that you have to add, right? So my the thinnest one that I'm doing right now, really just to push my city's limits and see how how can I get this approved. That one is two by two, then plywood, then two by six, and then two inches of wood fiber wood. That, so that makes it two inches. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, so you got basically an inch yeah. and a half to five and a half to another two, two inches, right? Yeah, it's like close to 10 inches. Yeah, is it 10 inches? yeah it's about 10 inches. Yes, but, and I, that's, but that's the I minimum. I actually right. like that because then you're running all your mechanical, all your electrical, everything in that cavity, that two-inch cavity, Yeah. and you're not breaking the six mil, and then you're keeping the envelope of the house complete, intact. Yeah, and so I actually run the two by two or the two by three on the inside in that service cavity horizontally because you don't you have all the structure in the two by six you don't need to run it parallel on top of your studs you can just run it this way so you basically created a resilient channel out of uh two by two essentially yeah and you're going horizontal then, with it yeah i like that does that and make so sense it does but i just don't see where like i, I like that it's breathable you know, it's nice. Like I always like breathable, like that way the house is breathing. It's flexing. I think it's very important. That's like half the battle. I'm so used to having a thermal break. So I, when I frame, I always leave an inch between the outside and the inside. Whenever we're puncturing the two by four and I like to be 24 on center. I don't like 16 on center because mm -hmm. I spray foam and I use a two pound and that becomes structural. So the less wood, the less conduction. So a more green home is wider spaces. It doesn't mean that you're losing the structural. I like to have an airtight home. I know a lot of people argue with me all the time. They're like, oh, I hate airtight homes. I love airtight homes because I would rather control it with an HRV or the dehumidifier, humidifier. I like to control the inside temperature and make it my atmosphere. Well, an airtight doesn't mean vapor tight. Those two are different, two different things two different as well. Things. In Europe, they actually use two airtightness layers. And, and the, we've, we have these discussions here all the time, whether or not airtight layer should be on the outside or on the inside. And they really make it airtight on the inside. They call, and they also use that as a vapor tight layer or a vapor control layer. And then airtight and or wind tight on the outside. So it's really, it's, you're really in two layers. So what's the difference between the airtight and the, and the, the vapor tight in the material? Well, one is for 
air infiltration into the wall, and the other one is for vapor. So th they're really two different states of... Uh, but you have to place them at two different uh, positions of the wall assembly. It depends. Uh, okay. <laughs> depends on how you're going to... It depends on how you're building the house. I guess yeah. the zoning also depends on that too, right? Well, and so, yeah, we're getting into such a fine nuance of this all, and I'm pretty yeah. sure that some building scientists are going to jump in and even call me. Is, uh, is, is Europe at all touching spray foam? They're not touching spray foam. I'm not sure. I've seen it in basements, in foundations from the outside. But from what I know, that material isn't allowed over there either. So although they're making it, I don't think they're allowing it to be used. So why is North America embracing it so much now? Because it's easy. It's and it seems to solve a lot of issues. Okay. For instance, the sill cavity of your floor on platform construction you have moist air going into that cavity where there should be insulation touching your outside membrane or your your rim board. Yep. Um, and it can condensate there. In order to do that correctly, you have to pull this whole assembly on towards the inside and then insulate on the outside. Yes. Because we just want to keep th doing things the way we do things. Uh, we're going to do platform construction and we're going to fill that with spray foam. And... We think that that's the best way to do it. But really, if your spray foam is now shrinking and popping away from, from your joists or whatever is happening there, you, your moist air can now go in there and touch that colder rim board again. But is that, is that half-pound spray foam that is actually contracted when it cures? Or is it two-pound spray foam? Or do they both? Or I don't use spray foam at all. So yeah. I've seen nightmare scenarios. And I'm not sure if they even happen anymore because I, every industry keeps evolving and they keeps change. coming out with better. I've products. seen issues. Yeah, with, we're on our fifth generation of spray foam now. Yeah, I've seen issues with half pound spray foam. Yeah, right. I haven't seen personally issues with uh, two pound spray foam. Uh, I guess it's all different. But what's the reason why you don't want to use it? Or you don't use it. We can bring up embedded carbon issues got it cost is also much higher okay there's quite yes, a few yeah. aspects oh and then there's off gassing which that was a big scare i'm not sure if that's even still the issue or well, not. i know i've had some people before like other building people say that there is that threat that spray foam could be the asbestos of today you know yeah i i, we I don't think know. i think that when you when you you know take a product and you focus on it you can make it look good or bad I think that there's bigger problems in houses than spray foam. Like the most off gassing, the worst gases in a home are your television and your carpet. They produce, television? they produce, yeah, because, because the heat, the heat is burning the oil products and those off gassing products and, and everyone's in front of a TV and Every carpet in front of a, and carpet and carpet. Because well, yeah, most carpet carpets, pretty, that nice home smell, which is technically probably just <laughs> bad. Well, and and a, a and chemical, a, and of a some lot sort. of people don't realize when they buy a new carpet, they're they're buying fire retardant. That carpet is saturated in mm -hmm. fire retardant, and if you don't steam clean your carpet, you're now traveling your baby through it because you put your baby down there. Oh, fire retardant! You know what's even more <laughs> sick? The your pajamas for kids and babies have to be. Fire have to have some kind of fire all retardant clothes, in them. All clothes, yeah. They it's, all come with fire retardant. That's why you're supposed yeah. to wash your clothes once you buy them. But nobody does. No, I do. <laughs> my wife... My, so actually, it's secondhand clothes, although, again, 
you they're know, better. They're not cool. Uh, are technically better because better. they've already off guys. Yes. That's right. All the fire darn's gone. <laughs> the original order is dead. I mean, <laughs> if we were to pinpoint and focus on every product, we can make everything look bad. Like so, uh, Manny's Manny does a lot of custom homes. He he deals with poplar and maples and beautiful yeah. woods, oaks, and and you know. Uh, every contractor's dream to work with the products that Manny works with. I also do custom and blue collared homes, but I do MDF. And now there's three different levels of MDF, but there's off gassing in it, but there's also mm. off gassing in paint. Like I said, we could just talk about every product and, and really make it sound horrible. But overall, most of the products that we're using in the wall aren't even the problem. It's the things we have inside our house after the build. But getting back to what we're, we're, we're talking well, about are, a more efficient home. There are some products that off-cast a lot, um, like an OSB will off-cast a lot more than a plywood. Yeah, the glue, right. Just because of the glue that they yes. put in there. But yeah, you really need to pay attention to the details. I actually thought that there was some LSL products that had uh, formaldehyde in them, and I was told they don't even have it anymore. So but in, they did in the in, beginning. Yeah. In Europe, all formaldehyde, from what I understand, is is banned from construction materials. There, and there's formaldehyde in products even naturally. So that's another discussion for yes. that. It's true. Like most of some of the best products we're using are organic stones that are mixed in. I use Durabond a lot. It's got formicula in it. It's not good at all. It's an asbestos family. CGC that it's in every home, it has silica in it. We could talk about concrete and limes, Lyme disease. Like when you start really breaking but everything I, down. I think the biggest problem here is that construction has gone, North American construction has gone away of if we don't build it this shit way, people won't be able to afford a house. That's yeah. true too, yeah. Well, but if you just take, I don't know, it's, it's getting so common that I get plans for, for a 4,000 square foot house. That's beautiful. For two people. <laughs> And, you know, if you just focus on Small. making it smaller but higher quality, yeah. you'll actually enjoy it more. You're so right. But and you're up against clients that can't wrap their heads around a 10 or 14 inch thick exterior wall. Yeah. And there's actually issues with just even, what do you call it? The, your property tax in Toronto. Because it's actually your property. Oh, you start paying from the perimeter. Square Correct. foot. Yeah. And so if you make a, well, the one house had six, with, with a brick I don't think the brick is counted in it, in your... I, don't, I think it is, actually. Yeah, it is. It's so that's your so with the brick, we it's had a 16-inch wall. Yeah. And that takes a lot of square footage away. So you're paying for something that you're not actually using. But that, that's yeah. the mindset, though. Yeah. You are using it because your house is more efficient. And there's so many ways that you can make houses more cost-efficient. Such and it as bugs it bugs the crap out of me. We have these the stacked condo buildings that you were talking about yeah. earlier. We have them a development in St. Catharines where I live that is that has so many different so many intricacies on the outside. And you're paying for all this fascia that goes into all different directions and all that stuff. And that probably I'm not sure how much it added, but it probably added twenty percent to the house. It didn't make the house more livable. No. Actually probably made it worse because there's all these corners that that I more sources of water protrusions. Issues and, there's yeah. a, there's a, probably holes. They created holes as a result of it. And so we build walls. Our process is that we try to think a lot more thoroughly. So we build the house digitally first. So in the software where we have every stud and every component, then we take it apart because we prefabricate these houses. Then we build it offsite and we try to control the the whole process very thoroughly. Because now we can land all these panels. 
very accurately on site and join them together. Now, when you join them, I've, I've always believed that you lose energy efficiency when you're joining them. Is that true? Yeah, but you're always joining something somewhere. Um, so even if you're site framing your wall, you're joining your, your sill plate to the floor. Your subfloor. And that's that same joining that we do. Okay. Technically, we actually just frame regularly just off-site. And we take the weather out of the equation. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, actually, so our last house, you couldn't have built it on-site. We had... Why? Because it was less than two feet away from the neighbor's house. Oh. It was three stories high, so 10 meters. you can put scaffolding up. You can't put scaffolding no. up. You needed to have... We had six inches of rock wall on the outside of, the, of this wall. Uh, trying to build that on ladders and then put the side... Like, it's just not possible to build it that way. Yeah, lots and aren't so what they used to be. We, we built off-site. And then the next question is, how much do you build off-site? Do you just do the wall? Do you add the siding? In that case, we did 60% of the siding and, and windows already in. Because then you just do that in the hall and you assemble everything on site. So why don't, like, I, uh, early on in my career, because I've only been in this business 10 years, I actually wanted to approach the government and go to a subdivision and buy two homes and leave, test the first home and then take the second home and gut everything. Take it all down and make the walls thicker and reassemble that wall cavity, change the windows, change the insulation, change a bunch of stuff, and then test that house and see what it cost effect to do that way of building. They've, they've done it themselves too. CMHC has houses in, in Ottawa that are built, they look identical on the outside, but they built them differently. And what are the results? They know that it's more efficient. I don't know. They, the funny thing is they, in one of the houses, they have simulated people living in it, which are really just light bulbs that go on and off because they generate <laughs> heat. <laughs> it's so funny. But they did this 20 years ago. They know it's, it's doable. So then why aren't they? Because my next question was, why doesn't a builder do a subdivision of all these kinds of proper way of building? Because they don't have to. If they can just get away with two by six walls and slap them together as easily as they can, they will. A developer is never interested in that. And well, I'm, so right now, I'm I'm at another turning point in my career with with Pinwheel. We actually never even went from that I was selling building products to prefabricating houses. That was you know a pivot in. So where are you heading now? Well, I'm I'm still wanting to do this, but trying to figure out how to make it now work. In Canada, because before it was always like, oh, they do it in Germany, it's all cool, and never really questioned why should I do this. If I approach a developer, he doesn't care at all. He cares. It's minimum code. They don't care. He doesn't care. And there's there's some. Uh, I'm not going to go into too many details now. There's some guys that I would really like to contact, and I've spoken to friends and mentors of mine. Said, how can I? I need to get this guy on my side. And they're, they're developers, and my friends say. Don't worry about it or don't, you, you will never, you'll never get them on your side. It doesn't matter how good your houses are. They don't have to build that as long as they can build as cheap as they can and sell it with maximum profit. That's yeah. what they're going to choose. Is to it do. possible to build that same developer house smaller, more efficiently at the same cost? If the, the developer wasn't that, uh, I don't even want to say greedy. greedy. <laughs> if he was like, so he could, I don't, it's not that big of a price increase. What are we talking about? The, so twenty percent. So, um, well, there have been builders that have proved that have shown that it's not an increase at all in Europe. Okay. Here we're well, we up, all come from Europe. Yeah, here we're up against something else. That 
Uh, so over there, the price increases very little to go to more efficiency because they're already building more thoroughly. Yes. Here, we really need to look at, let's bring up our quality and then compare apples to apples. So I can't compare a house that I'm building that is highly efficient to just a minimum quote house. I should really compare it to somebody that builds another quality house. Yes. And then oh, we're probably at par. So how do we do this, Hans? How do we... How do we Fuck, I, I want to do, have this. Not, I have I not do this. Like, how do we do this? Well, so I'm an ICF guy. I love, okay, I'm, you know, my background is European uh, from four Portuguese parts. Portuguese concrete. No, 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 no. He's Portuguese concrete. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm more Croatian concrete. <laughs> He's Croatian um, stone. You know, my, my wife went to school in Germany. You know, my mom went to school in Russia. We're very European. Technology is so different. When I go to Europe, I see totally different technology than I see here. I love ICF. You have a complete thermal break on the outside. You have a thermal break on the inside. You have a large mass on the inside. It's structural. And I don't have to worry about moisture. Moisture complements concrete. So the more moisture that actually travels through the concrete, if it can, it will help the concrete. And if yeah, it doesn't, I, it I've actually it seen ICF rot as well. No. Unfortunately. You've seen an ICF rot? This. Yes, unfortunately. How it was a new built ice... home. I don't know what happened in the wall. That must be a bad mix. I don't know, but on the inside they open up the drywall because there was there was a moisture problem and it, they found mold inside of that uh in the uh, the insulation on the inside. On the, the inside. I'm not sure. I was not there to to find out what, you know, what all happened. Yeah, that must have been a water leak somewhere then. It probably was. Yeah. yeah. But it's not as Again, we, we need to make sure that we build right with it. So it really comes down to, to craftsmanship. So what You're do totally we need right. to do? Yeah, we need to, our craft needs to get better. What so, you, so who is, okay, if the builders are not listening, and I guess technically the politicians are not listening, who's listening? The ultra wealthy that are listening, that they want this kind well, of the help? Customer. The customers. The customers. We have to. The customer has all the pull. Okay. Or all the spending or the budget, right? Yeah, so I always try, when I sell a house, I need to have the buy-in of the customer. Yes. Because no, construction is already complicated as it is, but if I'm now pushing my wall on a builder who has a customer that doesn't care about it, then there's no pull. I really need to get the customer on board, and he's then going to tell the builder, you have to build this wall or else I don't want to build this house. And... Ultimately, it's it's the customer that has to see that there's the quality, the durability, um, because he's going to pay for it. Yep, and he's going to enjoy the house as well. The builder walks off the job site. I, I just if I was a customer, if I was a client, and you were to tell me that okay, originally I want a four thousand square foot house built traditionally, and then you tell me that for the same price I can build a three thousand square foot house built mm. pinwheel, I would say yes to it. Or am I that greedy that I'm losing a thousand square feet? Well, I don't for, know. I, I don't think so you need a four thousand square foot home in the first for two, place. To a no, two-person family, I've seen it. I've seen. Because, I know, but I think because it's people ridiculous. are like, "Oh, I need a sewing room and I need a yoga room yes, and this yes. and that and this and that." And I think they can only afford it because it's so cheap. But if it was a bit more expensive, then they, they would have to it. figure out how can we make this yeah. um, better. See, I, I come from a different part of the world. We don't spend a lot of time at home. Coming home is to put your clothes on, take a shower, go to the bathroom, cook something, get out. There's so much, there's so many important things to see outside the home that it doesn't make any sense for me to have a large home. 
I think small with good storage and energy efficiency is more important than large with no efficiency. So I, I like where you're going with it because uh, again, you know, I'm trying to learn about your product. The ICF is like 10 to 12 inches wide. So I'm not worried about a 12 inch wall or a 14 inch wall. If I'm getting breathable and, you know, a thermal break, energy efficiency, that's way more important because the money I'm putting into energy for 50 years is more important than you bring up a point. The money that I put into an energy, that's our energy is still so cheap here that that is barely a selling point. Well, Toronto Hydro is getting very expensive now. Well, that's the reason why Europe builds the way they build is but, because their energy costs are so, so much higher. And than also ours. because we buy and resell constantly, we're only the builder only builds for the first five years. The first owner only buys the house to sell it in two to three years. He's never going to be dealing with all the issues from Later the on. original builder. So what is going to happen to all these homes? So 20 years, 25 years down the line, know. you're going to have these dramatic major I, issues. I don't know if Who's I really hope we I really hope we don't have it to be honest. Just because for the sake of, you know, keeping things sane. Is it going to be kind of like I had a client one time where they had a garage and there was a bedroom above the garage with a bathroom. And obviously we know this, right? That that bedroom and the bathroom was always the coldest part of the whole house. And so she had some people come in and her first call was a garage door opener guy come in and he says, well, you need a new garage door. That's his solution for that. And that no. wasn't the case. So then it finally got to me where I said, that's not the solve. That's not the problem. I said, I guarantee you, I haven't seen behind this drywall, but I guarantee you that that's not properly insulated or it's not sealed or what have you. So sure enough, drywall came down and it was just floating sheets of six mil poly and it was just bats oh everywhere God. and it was just cavities everywhere and exposed plumbing lines exposed heating my, lines my best friend in st Catharines had a house that it was so cold one day he reached into um it, it was that same scenario garage and bedroom above it he reached into his closet which was adjacent to as well and he noticed that there was a huge cold stream coming down it's, well that's weird let's plug that up quickly and you know and we'll figure out what was going on in there uh, later. I go in to investigate it. Oh no, so because I plugged that hole, all of a sudden he had a one foot by two foot patch of ice in the wall of his bedroom. His what? bedroom was so cold they would close the door during the day because it would make the rest of the house cold. Yeah, so, so you, you eventually there's a hole. So the, <laughs> hole, the hole that I plugged in the closet was actually letting warm air in so that it wouldn't freeze his his bedroom oh but to this day i've God. never found it i went in there we opened up the drywall we we saw that one of the insulation bats was was broken in to the to the roof and that's where all the air was leaking through and we closed that all back off and it made a huge difference but to this day we have not figured out where is it leaking between had i asked um, an insulation guy to come in they would have just say oh just rip everything out and put spray foam in everywhere yeah, i don't yeah. but i'm not sure been, if that would that would have been no that would have done it. it right yeah but and i think we'll see that more and more often and people hear these horror stories and usually the way they fix it is they just sell it quickly yeah in they the get out of when it nobody notices they get it. out of it and yeah. someone else's problem now yeah yeah i got i want to ask you hans how do you do your roof assemblies it all depends we either do them tgis with cellulose blown into it okay again dense pack or we are you we doing can it do underside of the roof or are you still doing it on the attic ceiling well side? this would be a flat roof a flat oh so you're doing a flat roof and you're or filling a, in a i should say a shed roof okay or we we use traditional trussing okay and then just blow in more cellulose but that's where we get into that whole conversation like it, 
is that even effective? Because I've, one of the guys told me before, we were, oh, he's a Swiss carpenter, he said, you'll blow yourself stupid with all that cellulose. And I said, well, it's the cheapest way to do it. And once I started doing that, I realized, well, I was off by dozens of bales of cellulose from what I'd calculated. So I was blowing and blowing and blowing. I was going to, I don't know what it was, R80 or something like that. Holy cow! But you're just blowing it, and then you realize, what, what's the point of now all Now you're this? into a platinum lead home. Platinum lead homes are at oh, above 60 to 100, right? Yeah. We build custom. So to this day, I don't have like a one f- solution Everything's for every scenario. unique for everything. Yes, correct. But you're and not- so I think one of the questions that you asked earlier is how do we get there, is that I actually have to now figure out, are there certain layouts, like a spec home, that are often asked for? that will match, that will suit many people? And how do I increase the efficiency and the quality of that now? And then start building it. And I think I'm going to have to put my own money into it. To make it happen. To make it happen and just kind of show over and over that it's doable. But the market really does not want it. Eh? Like I find well, that... Well, but clients... he's not dealing with a normal market. He's dealing with people that appreciate You're dealing with a very kind niche of market. Yeah, but there's people out there and there's a lot of people with money... That will pay for something like this. It really depends on who who you're talking to. So I get a lot of empty nesters contacting me. What does that mean? Well, the their kids moved out and seniors. they want to downsize. And so you're going to be an empty nester soon. Actually, <laughs> they're not even seniors at that. Point. I wouldn't even call them seniors yet. They're wow. in their fifty something. Oh, you I are an empty nester already. <laughs> <laughs> but they always Thanks, tell man. me the exact same thing. So. We're, we love custom homes here, but very few of them are actually custom. We, so what we right. have done to this day <laughs> so is 100% custom. All studs were always cut. We never used standard. Like, it was crazy custom. What I get on the phone is always the same layout. I want a bungalow. I want this and that. I want the bedroom there and I want that there. And they, they always give me the same thing. I can almost... When they call me, I can almost finish their sentences for them. Yeah. So there is, there is a, um, a business case for, for building standard plans uh, for spec homes, but just make them really nice. And then now do all the efficient stuff. Oh, so and what is different with, with those customers over the regular spec home builders is that they actually, the, the people that will buy spec homes, is they will stay in that house until they can't, physically stay in it anymore yes so for for the next 20 to 25 years and so they're interested in in comfort energy efficiency healthiness of that house so that's your market that that is one your primary market that is one market but there's also young families they again they have very different they'll spend their money on the organic butchers and things like that that's what they'll spend their money oh you mean the kind of people that say they're vegans but then they feed their cats meat (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get into yeah. that world. How do you, how do you, do you get involved in the foundations? Do you get involved in doing anything? I any, haven't. You can't, right? So, th- so to this day, you're still doing traditional pouring and then you're dropping the, your, your first floor on top of that, right? Yeah, correct. Is there, we just make sure that it's, it's built a specific way. And to this day, um, architects and planners have always done all the planning beforehand. And then we just kind of try to see what, if anything needs to be changed so that we can work with that. How do you like Timberstrand? Uh, Timberstrand is a product, correct? Well, yeah. So uh, my favorite building wood material. Like, no, wait, hang on a second. Timberstrand is a brand, right? Timberstrand yeah, is a brand. a brand. Yes. Timberstrand can be like 
when you look at an, an LVL, there's a lot of timber strand in that. So they build two by fours or two by sixes. And what it is, is it's a glue product. Oh, the LSLs. High dense. Yeah, LSLs. Um, you know, a P3 subfloors. They're one inch subfloors. Uh, very dense. Screws almost bust into them. They're always true and straight. I know that you don't like off-gassing products. So I'm just curious to so find I out. So I recently, since we're dropping, I guess Timber Strand is a brand name. And they're owned, yes. are they owned by Weyerhaeuser or not? I'm not sure. Uh, I or don't know if they're owned by Weyerhaeuser, but I, I think that, uh, I, I don't know, but they yeah. are, yeah, they're a brand so name. So I recently was talking to Weyerhaeuser about the off-gassing part, because I always thought that there was um, glue in it that would off-gas. And they actually it told me. It was, st it's it steam, right? It's mostly steam. Well, it's pressure. It's, yeah. It's pressure. Or how they put it together. Well, if. But there's glue. Obviously, there's glue. There is some glue in it. They try to use because you were talking about the lignum, which is the the wood internal glue that holds the fibers together. Okay. But I'm not a wood scientist. Okay. Do I like that product? I don't know. It's yeah, no, like, I just want to ask you because you said you didn't like OSB and that uh, the well, high so, off gassing in it, and so it's, no, no, it's really it's really specific to North yeah. America. Okay. If you look at OSB in Europe, they use that every day, all day long, because the fibers are. It's using polyurethane as the glue to glue it together. So it's a different product. Ooh. You can almost use it as a, as a tabletop. It's, the quality is very different. Just so you know, I don't have any loyalty, loyalties to any companies I speak of. I just like to use the right you product. You just lost all your branding. No, yeah, no, <laughs> this, this podcast isn't about, this isn't no, about selling. that's why selling. I'm here, Hans. <laughs> I have loyalties. There's, there's, for me, I'm speaking for myself. I don't have any loyalties because I believe that when you, when you build something, it's not about selling a product. It's about selling the right product. So when I throw terms out in names, it's that company deserves that in my eyes. Hmm. So I'm trying to learn something from you because I may, ch I'm, I'm willing to change my growth in construction and the way I build. So the more I can learn from you, the more I can adapt and add to my building of construction. Cause I also believe that construction is different for me than it is for the typical builder or the custom builder and so on. Mm. So like when you hear me say timber strand, I really appreciate their product. And like you saying that that product is a low off gassing product. You just made me really enjoy that product even more. We have to use it for those the tall walls where they make you use really straight 22 footers or 24 footers. Yeah, you can't use dimensional lumber for that. You're not actually allowed to buy a code anymore. And the engineers will, will uh, spec LSLs for that to begin wow. with. That's great. So, but I don't know. It can split in certain ways, though, as well. I've never mm -hmm. seen it. I've worked with it a few times. I just can't find customers that want that appreciate it, or that will pay for they it. They won't pay for it. Yeah. So it's very rare. Like you said, you're building custom homes because only, only say, and I don't mean this is a fact, but say only a European person would be interested in something like that, or an open-minded person would be interested in allowing to understand that the health of their home and how it breathes and how it flexes and how it just works. But so I've been, we've been able to make dimensional lumber work just fine. And because we build in inside of a hall, the stuff is dry to begin with and we can control it. I got a few bones to pick here. So I just, <laughs> uh, let's do it because you've got, you brought up empty nesters, empty nesters, right? Which I totally agree with you because it makes sense that they're going to stay there and they're going to live there 
for the rest of their days, right? So they might as well enjoy it for two decades or three decades or even more possibly because we all know that there's a good chance all of us are going to live into our 80s and 90s if, you know, nothing dramatic happens to us. But health-wise, we will live that long. Do you have a lot of young, like is it fair to say that this, I'm, I'm assuming not the first home buyer, there's no way a millennial is buying or even considering these types of homes. They are considering status and location and condo or whatever they can afford. But what's the youngest age group that is approaching a person like you to build a, a more efficient home that cares? And my other question to well, that, that... I think the first home is usually a used home. Yes. They're very quickly interested in building something that we do. The second the home. The second home. When the child shows up. That goes and back to, let's give him organic food, right? Because yeah, in right. about 10, 15 years, he'll be smoking pot and eating McDonald's, right? So we might as well take care of him now. Or those two organic go pot. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it really interesting. How, how did you know that, Manny? <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting that the second home that they would buy, these people are very, okay, I want to ride my bicycle, right? Or drive a Tesla, an electric vehicle but they can't afford the passive home. So why is it that they can afford, uh, in well, my opinion? And, and so, you're so right. Electric, electric car and is so a luxury car. the trick is to figure out how can we bring the price down? How can we? How do we how bring the we price down? How can we make it attractive? You're saying what I gather, make the home smaller. Uh, no, more no, there is a lot more. So actually, there's so much more to this all. Okay. Um, when I price a house, I don't, I can't even price uh, compared to a, um, a regular built home because the regular built home or the regular builder is not going to put in all the oopses and you know the crap hits the fan kind of scenarios. <laughs> yeah. So I have to price against something that's theoretically much higher. I usually lose the battle because of that, because I, I give him a price that is set and it won't change, but I'm not pricing against the guy that is then going to just start framing on site and then snow and this and that and blah 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 and, and changes and what else that happen i think we could build right away pretty good quality oh the finishes are also the other thing everybody wants to spend the money on the finishes on the quartz countertop which has nothing to do with energy efficiency correct if you saved that money on on your trim you can still upgrade that later if you wanted to you're right because um, the bones are up. The wall, yeah. you can't. The insulation, you can't. Well, you so can, but it's, it's expensive. It's too complicated of a market where I would have to show, I would have to reinvent too many things, which is why currently I'm thinking, how can I just build what I would like that is modern and then sell it? I can't twist people's arms. And I can. <laughs> it's just too... And so... It's been it's been a tricky goal. It's an uphill battle. Well. I know it is, and, and and I'm on your side where that unsexy stuff, is, in my opinion, is important. Is the most important, far more important than the stone slabs or all the finishing. I don't know, details. man. You do a lot of sexy no, stuff. No, no, your respect is extremely still, up there. Right? <laughs> but I still I think that's unsexy. Okay, in the in the scheme of things with the world, who is building the best homes? Nobody's not really a forefront. Nobody's not the Germans. Not Swedes. Yukon. Swedes are Swedes are up there. Yeah, because I've been reached out by guys. I don't know much about through... Japanese, but I know that they're very meticulous. Yeah, they're so very... I, I presume that they are quite excellent up there. carpenters. And it needs to be seen in context. True. Architecture has really gone away from from looking at design within context of the region, 
because we just build whatever we want, wherever we want it, because we saw it on Instagram from South Africa. Yeah. And so. <laughs> wow. Um, so well said. So, and, uh, yeah. I don't know. We should, we should really be looking at the context a bit more again. So when you, when you're looking at the homes, okay. So you're building for a reason. The biggest reason you're building the walls you're building is that you've seen failure in two airtight homes, not breathable products failing. No, they're all airtight, by the way. They're all very airtight. Your product. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's breathable airtight. Vapor. Yeah, correct. It's breathable. Well, yeah. for whatever. Yeah. It's vapor tight, but breathable. It's called diffusion open. Diffusion open. <laughs> it's called diffusion open. Yeah. That's what they call it in Germany, at least. But so, and, and how many, how big is this industry right now? Is it a, a really new business? Is, is this like it's a really small. new business right now? It's, it's small. small. It's tiny. Well, technically, technically, it isn't much different from, from all of our construction we do. It's just increase things a bit more, increase the thickness. Yeah. W wouldn't and, it be fascinating, Hans, if you could set up a pop-up shop downtown right next to a condo, huge condo corp or whatever, that's going to be building a building or a subdivision or whatever. Wouldn't it be interesting? And, and homeowners come in. And you do not in your sales pitch, not once do you mention any of this technical mumbo jumbo. No, stuff. no, 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 no. You don't mention any of the finishings. You okay. don't talk about cork laminate. You don't talk about quartz stones. You don't talk about gas range. All you talk about is everything that we've been talking about here. The thickness of the wall, the vapor, but the why, air. So if people only do care about the quartz countertop and, and the finishes... Why didn't you just only mention that and just do the right thing anyways on the inside of the walls? That's, well, that's you know, what I think. You are right what you said before. Maybe you should design five homes. Nobody has a say on the structural or the integrity on the outside. And then you have a lipstick section where people can just go, I have money left for my budget for this, that, and this. And they don't have a choice in anything else. But they, what they do get is a peace of mind that they're building a home for 50 to 100 years and a much more, less maintenance home. What are some of the stats, can you, if you know them? Because I know that when I, built my, I, when I built my first home, they had, like you said, a 1,200-square-foot, I think 70-year-old home. It got knocked down, and then we built a 35, but it was 5,100 square feet with a finished basement in it. The energy consumption of the new home was less than the consumption of the old home. Hmm. So that kind of proved. And then we ended up getting a 0 0.07 rating. I went through the passive house training yeah. consulting, which is quite thorough and, and had to pass a test after that. And they will actually teach you. So first of all, if you do build a true passive house, you're going to consume 80 to 90% less. That much? In energy. That's your selling feature right there. I don't yeah, understand but how now, that's but not. Now, so now you need to calculate what is that actually in a monetary saving? This is the way they teach you in that course. What money do I have to invest today for that saving to come out for the next 25 years? So what is that amount? Uh, energy cost is, is a part of it. But if you're saving, let's say, 1500 bucks, well, that's not much. You see, that's where it doesn't, that's it doesn't, where it doesn't count. It won't work out. If Even you if save you save $1,500 a year. A year it's still going to take you two, three decades before but, you actually see but yeah, it. But I, but I think there is something very important to be said here. It's let's not make it about us saving ourselves money 
I mean, is as much as it's important, oh, I know we're saving the environment. <laughs> and, and this is where everybody's going. This is about long term. Hmm. This is about what it does for our children, what you leave behind for your children. Well, that's that's what really, you do for the environment. That's what guided it all. As a kid, I still remember I was picking up garbage everywhere, and I got a little booklet about how we're destroying our environment. This was in in the eighties, and I was. I was so scared. One of the leading science environmentalists and scientists in Germany, he had a book called Factor 3 or Factor 4 that he wrote when I was small. So he said, we need to start saving in the Factor 4 or the saving energy by Factor 4. And he's recently upgraded it to Factor 5 or one higher. He says, we, we're missing the ball. We've I've said worse. it back, back then, 30 years ago. And this has been the topic of my entire life, and we're, we're still not doing it. Well, I, I see that in everyday life. I see people wasting things all the time. I, so I go into a home, and the first thing I find is they have a basement full of stuff they're going to throw out. And I say, they're, so well, I always get into a conversation. People say to me, oh, I'm throwing all that out. And I'm like, you're throwing all that out? And they're like, well, do you want any of it? And I go, I know a donation center that is profit-free, and it goes to third world countries. I replace 25 doors in a house. I'll donate those 25 doors. No money gets transferred. And people use that for roofs and walls and so on. And we're saving the environment. But people are just moving through things. Oh, I don't like the way that looks. Let's get rid of it. There's so much garbage leaving houses. It's, it's incredible. At the heart of it, I'm a tree hugger. But you can't really use So that. you're a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's reduce, reuse, recycle. That's really what it comes yeah, down to. It should be. So reduce the size of your house and then reuse whatever. But he do, he drives a pickup truck though. Do you? <laughs> Ask him what, what kind of truck. Oh, okay. I don't have that truck anymore. Oh, you don't have the truck anymore? <laughs> no. What are you driving now? A, uh, a smaller little pickup thingy. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that thing was truck. a beast. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was like, you. Were, it was, no, was it a Ford? No, it was a GM. It was a GM. It was a GM. 1994 big V8 thing. But I, I towed entire yeah. uh, roofs with it and stuff like that. Yeah, I think a lot more people need to think that way. And I found it fascinating when someone told me about when Jimmy Carter was leaving the White House. He actually was smart enough to put solar panels on the White House. And the day that Ronald Reagan came into power, he removed all the solar panels yeah. off the White House. Wow. That's crazy. I, it just showed you where the mindset was. I mean, like, it didn't make any sense to me at that point. Well, but you start hearing little things like that. I mean, Germans invented, uh, you know, cars that run on water. And solar units aren't that energy. Of, like, when you think solar panels, you think, oh, I'm saving the environment. But nobody talks about how much lead's in them, how much acid gets thrown away. Like, there's a lot of bad things about a lot of green things, right? Well, solar, I'm not a solar panels aesthetic. aren't. Uh, but solar, solar panels aren't that energy efficient to begin with. Yeah, because you're only um, producing 100 watts per panel, right? Yeah, it really depends on. Which and that power you gets use. used up so fast. Net zero is one of those terms that people throw out. Net zero houses that, that create as much energy as they consume. And so, really, you need to look at. How do you reduce the consumption first, and then you start creating some by building by building the, the a better house, a better house, right? To begin with, yeah. Well, it's also not just the homes, but building better buildings as well too, building a whole better infrastructure, right? Yeah, and so actually, if you have a house that is super energy efficient, and you have to throw it out in twenty five years, it's not worth anything either. Of course, because now you just had all that embedded energy that you threw away. So your product, being uh, thicker, also has more mass. 
So that holds more energy. Yeah, and I've had that argument actually with so doc, Dr. Feist, doc, uh, he found at the Passive House Institute. He argues that thermal mass isn't really necessary to keep a comfortable house. I'm interested. Tell me this, please. I don't. This is too long ago that I had that discussion with him. But there was a girl, and she was a scientist, and she showed that thermal mass does make houses more efficient. And he said, "No, it's bogus." But I know that. So in order to build comfortable houses in, in let's say Spain uh, you do need to build with stone and just have that mass so that you can absorb the heat that comes from the outside I'm not too scientific about it I do know though that so when I calculate a wall and its performance I do look at summer heat resistance and the thermal mass does add to that so when I there's again a few metrics inside of that wall that are important one that is the phase shift that means that's the time that the energy takes from the outside to hit the inside. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, That's what I'm interested in. So when they say you should have, your wall should have a phase shift of at least 13 hours. So the heat that is hitting your wall on the outside at 1 p.m. only gets to the inside of your house at 2 a.m. Hmm. But by that time, you're already in the night again and you're already cooling down again. It's radiating off the heat. And then the other one is uh, just the dampening. So how much of a fluctuation on the outside transfers to the inside. And when you do look at thermal mass, and that can even be cellulose when it's, when it's dense packed, you are preventing a lot of that. Both phase shift, you're, you're creating a huge phase shift. My, our walls usually are in the 16 hours and you're dampening. The your, walls that you're designing are in a 16 hour window? 16, yeah, phase wow. shift. So that means that there's a three or four hour difference. 16 hours. 16 hours. No, so no, the heat to, to basic homes, you're saying there's about a three or four oh. hour difference. Oh, no. Well, I, I don't know that. They would be at eight hours or six hours. Oh, so we're talking seven, eight hour difference. Yeah, definitely. Right. There are so much, so much more issues in homes that we haven't even talked about yet. If you lose power at, in your home in the winter, your house is very likely unlivable within two hours. Yeah. My house is unlivable within less than an hour. We'll be freezing. Well, and this is why I like spring. But hang on a sec. A passive house would be unlivable in, in what range? It's almost indefinitely. They've had... Um, in winter. In the winter, yeah. So they have had passive houses during construction. Nobody's inside of it. Um, somebody up in, in Quebec. He told me that they came in during the construction in the winter and the house was still, I think, around 10 degrees. And that's I believe it. No heat sources on the inside. It was just and so if you do put a few heat sources into it now, then at least a week. So it's retaining. It's retaining. It's memory. Then that's really what the whole word passive means. That it uses passive heat gain and passive uh, heat sources or heat sources on the inside, and it just keeps that heat on the inside. So it's really the first few inches of your insulation that are the most efficient. And that's where some of the guys come in and they argue against passive house because they say. If we spread the energy efficiency, so all that insulation that you have in your, in your one wall, and we just took that and spread it on three homes, that would actually, in aggregate, save more energy. <laughs> because it's really the first few inches, and then you're getting into, like, your curve really flattens out. You'll have to double up to do a minute little change in is that why platinum efficiency. lead goes to 80 and 100 R value? I don't even know platinum lead. I, okay. I'm not... That's the first time I've ever heard of you bringing it up. Yeah, I know. So platinum lead homes are com like 
typically completely off-grid energy efficient homes okay. and a lot of technology is like geothermal solar panels wind turbines you know underwater turbines that you know consistent constant natural energy that's being produced that's an you know the rpm the feeding the batteries even more is how efficient the walls are and okay. the windows because are. that was one of the um, the big downsides of lead you just needed to take off a whole bunch of boxes and then you got gold or whatever it never really considered how energy efficient your your building was for instance there was a building in alberta it was an office building i think it was gold or platinum i know that office buildings and can achieve gold and platinum lead a lot easier than than homes but that one had 160 kilowatt hours per square meter per year in energy consumption and that is 10 times higher than a passive house and it was it was lead platinum but that was an <laughs> office building that's because it ticked off all the right boxes and so that's where you know it gets political between all these these um that's why i think the standards. problem is that there's too many people there's too many chefs in the kitchen everyone is coming up with their own recipe well i wish we could go back to the old days where you could build the home that you wanted the way you wanted you know, instead of having so many rules, I mean, you could still have someone overview them to make sure that they're safe structurally. Um, but we should be able to build our own homes the way we want them. Our laws don't really protect us. Minimum code. What does that do? It only helps the developer. It doesn't help us as consumers. When I buy a house and I'm spending a million dollars on a home, am I getting all that energy efficiency? Well, the, the intention of minimum code is to protect us from really shifty. Shade, yeah, shady guys, right? Stuff, and but I don't think it takes it too far. But that's not really enough. protecting us, anyways. Because there's a lot of shady no, guys. I want to go there. back to. I know Carlito. You keep on saying how uh, you don't spend a lot of time at home, but there is a shift in. Yeah, I think it's everybody. longer and longer. Yeah, so like more and more people are working from homes, are self-employed or whatever, working from home. So they're spending a lot more time in their homes. So it's it gone are the days that you leave work in the morning and you downshift your furnace or whatever and you reduce everything the consumption of the house because nobody's at home and even if there's pets you could still they can deal with 10 degrees change or whatever but now i think more people are staying at home so that means the heat comes back up so i think you're back to you have to build this way like well what? and also that because we're building tighter homes the time that you do spend in your house in your old home that was very Breathable? untight right like uh, the house you, that I live in right have, now is yeah. un un airtight. Like it's very breathable. Yeah. yeah. I tested mine. It's at eight air changes per hour. <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting outside air now, just by it being in, inefficient. Yeah. But Manny, I wasn't fighting just because I had to spend less time at home not to be energy efficient. What I was talking about was I, I believe that people are unrealistically living in larger homes and have too many things that aren't realistic. Percent so what, I, what I'm saying is what I learned in Europe is that you come home, you eat, you shower. doesn't mean I'm not talking about, I'm all about energy efficiency. I'm all about green building. 100%. Um, I love but it all. smart green building. But there is a trade-off. I just, I just believe that this is the problem. Someone will say, I don't want to buy geothermal because it will never pay off in my lifetime. It's not about really us. It's about saving the long run also. And we got yeah, to make a change at but some point. Geothermal is one of those things that I think there was this big scare a year or two ago when they said everything needs to be net zero by then and then. And everybody was just talking about geothermal. 
And the problem with geothermal is that it's so outrageously expensive for a single house. If you look at geothermal in Europe, they use it for an entire group of houses. And that's how you make that work. I and, agree. It's uh, smart and so, building. And I think this needs... We will only f win this battle of energy-efficient homes if it makes sense right now, somehow. Like, I can't just say I'm going to spend way more money right now so that my kid in 50 years is going to enjoy it. Well, because then we're too, we're too self-focused. No, I, I realize that. And that's one of our biggest problems. Another problem is, is that our government is taxing us on, on everything and anything. Dun, I, know dun, you, dun. I know you guys don't <laughs> want to talk about it, but uh, I have a friend that actually has a very efficient off-grid home. He produces his own solar energy and wind, wind power. It's 100% efficient where he needs some support is in some propane. He's completely off-grid. Literally, he doesn't need to use his propane unless he wants it for his refrigerator. If that's the direction he wants to go or an added source of heat if mm. he wants that, but he's got burning stoves and so on, but he gets taxed on energy. That's not even given to him. That's free from mother nature and our government's taxing us on it. So how do we, how does the government expect the country to grow and try to go the right direction if they're taxing us on everything? I know it's political. So, but is it expecting us? to do that that's the question i don't know i like to <laughs> are there hans i just wanted because we got to get close to wrapping up um are there a few things in the building code nowadays that uh you don't believe in that you think are a waste like i'm not a big fan of the heat recovery stack yeah either am i oh. i think if it's yeah, that's done a silly one. i think i think if it's done for collecting maybe four showers or and a condo it's done properly then it makes more sense. But I think if it's picking up one shower or two shower, like the way the cold is well, asking. Well, it really only works with a shower. It doesn't work with It doesn't do the path up. No, it's because just you're shower. Not fill, yeah, the water flow. You're sitting in way. the water and the water is getting cooler and then it doesn't really recover any energy. The hot water at 140 degrees coming out of the shower and going down the drain after it hits you, it's supposed to be collecting the energy. Yeah. But if that heat recovery stack is 20 feet away from the shower and it's making that travel and then it's got to go another 20 feet to get to the tank... It's cooling down. Where's the energy recovery, right? Yeah. So, so I, are there other things in the cold right nowadays that are, are you just shake your head, but we have to do it anyway? I think it's the whole prescriptive, uh, pre prescriptive path yeah. that gives you a very low out. You can just choose. I've seen that conversation happen, you know, by me just eavesdropping on others. That they were talking about, oh, well, I got to choose Germans. this one and I can, like, <laughs> I can build the house if I just... You know, if I use that one, they don't technically want to do that. They don't technically want to even build efficient, but they have to. So they use the lowest um, of that prescriptive method. There's no incentive for, I don't know if the building code is the right area to. to is really it true that the Canadian government stopped giving rebates for electric cars when they came out? Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. I thought, because I thought, they, remember we had those rebates when we were building, we were renovating. They were oh, yeah, us, they're gone. They're gone. So they're gone Their too. Rebates are gone. So why is the government just doing this? I don't want to get political, but why, why, do. why don't, because I'm assuming Germany and other European countries. Well, so I'm not sure if Germany is a different thing. So Germany, Germans are boneheads, you're saying. Okay. And you said it, we didn't say it. <laughs> I don't think so. A few, <laughs> I'm not sure when, when they've set their mind to showing that we could turn off nuclear power plants, but they said, we want to turn them all off and see how we can make it work. And because they're creating a lot of that innovative technology, now they want to prove that they can actually achieve that. I'm not I think sure. it's brilliant. 
Yeah. Yes and it's, no. It's an well, interesting. It's making, us, it's making us work for it now. Yeah. At but some point, we have to do it. It's We have to change it at some yeah. point. So I know like that you like asking the one question of the one thing that you like to change. <laughs> I'll beat you to that. Because I, I was thinking, like, what am I going to say about this? But I have a friend recently. He brought this to my attention. And he said um, one thing that he wishes was different is that you know, we would have to build more efficiently. Let's go all the way. Let's not do this like these little intermediate steps of what the code wants right now. Let's just say we have to build to a way higher efficiency, get it out of the way. Everybody figures out how to build that way, and then we keep going. But this, these little steps of where every few years we get a little bit more efficient, and then everybody complains about it until they all figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Let's trends. just go all the way. It's all trends. It's just And so that's the one thing in the code where I'm like, yeah, let's, can we just... Just build all the way. All the way. Can we just make the code once all the way, and then everybody has to build that way? And that will sort out a lot of the... That'll stall the, the whole construction well. industry. Yeah, but they'll figure it out. Like if you say, if you say, um, you know, in two years you have to achieve R forty in the wall, and so on, so much. And I roof. think it's amazing. R forty in the or, wall is amazing. Or another, actually, a real metric would be a certain. Well, the way that Passive House does it, um, a certain amount of energy per square foot, is what you're allowed to consume to heat that house or to cool it. And a passive house rating is what per square foot or That's per square meter? That's 15 kilowatt hours. Per 15 kilowatt hours per, per square, square meter. Per square meter? Per, per year. Per year. And that's, it's so abstract. That's nothing. I want to tell you about my home. Right now in the winter, we have rads in every room. Okay. We believe in the old radiant yeah, system. Radiant. We have a boiler downstairs and we have two ball valves. Uh, we haven't gone to uh, thermostats in each room yet. You know, it's just too much money. Even for me, myself, to do it, it's going to be like 1500 bucks for me to do every single rat in every single room, you know, just to kind of slow down the temperature. Now, there's rooms we don't use. We close those doors. We close our valves down to very little water flow. Those rooms stay at a just a nice room temperature. It's cool right now, but it's not hot. The rooms that we actually situate ourselves in like say the kitchen the hallways our main bedrooms that's where the valves are open mm. and i get to control those climates and the energy gets to go in the places i needed to go into instead of just going and being wasted energy throughout the house what do you do in the summer well the house is original believe it or not Sweat. not not <laughs> being not being insulated so the we did the upstairs we renovated the whole upstairs and that changed everything. The The sun beating on the slate roof just heated the upstairs. Since we insulated that, the house is now behaving differently. So because it's an old 140-year-old house, there is no insulation in the walls. Yeah. During the summer, the house is cool. Okay. It's just an organically cool house, completely breathable. Mm. Our house is completely breathable. The roof is the, the biggest change in our home. Uh, we haven't changed the actual chemistry of the home because when you renovate a room, you start to change the dynamics of the home and how it's heated or how it's cooled. So we allowed the rooms to stay the way they were and we focused on the roof, which was where we lost our temperature, where we gained our temperature. And since we insulated that accordingly, now the house is beautiful during the summer. We use fans. We're old school. You know, I don't like a big climate change. We're adapted to the outside environment, but yet it's still cool and air's moving. 
And during the, uh, during the winter, the rads are efficient. To bring it back to thermal mass, our house, although it's that old, during the summer is actually relatively cold as well because we have two layers of stucco, old school stucco on the outside, and that really prevents a lot of the heat from Transfer. reaching the inside. Yeah. And we've got trees around the house that during the summer just protect it that well. So although it's, you know, really not efficient in, in a modern sense, it's actually quite enjoyable to live. Yeah, it is. Which brings us back to the conversation we would had. We talked about old technology, 250-year-old homes. <laughs> no one was complaining. Yeah, but we do have a different sense of comfort nowadays. Than Everybody was want. shorter then and nobody complained. <laughs> and they also lived shorter. <laughs> Beds were smaller, Not doors were family. smaller. I'm the shortest. I'm 6'3". Everyone's like 6'8", six, 7 feet. <laughs> so Hans, I mean, can you give us the lowdown of the house that we should be building? We talked about the wall assembly and the roofs and everything like that, but mechanically speaking... Uh, how should we be building these homes and what should we be considering? What products should we be considering? Yeah, that's true. Or is that too broad of a... <laughs> well, of it's a, a personal no, so your that, personal This is opinion. personal. So I would say we, we got to be in the R35 okay. to R40 wall range somewhere in there. However you achieve that, then ventilate it properly. Thermal break free, airtight. That's all a must. All that. yeah, Everything, that's, yeah. That's a no-brainer. About the mechanical systems, that's sort of a, a toss-up. Um, it's with with yeah with radiant few products. but you don't there. need. In my opinion, we do need a little bit of dehumidification in the summer. Yeah, I believe that too. Yeah. humidity plays a huge. And so, really, um, what I've seen that works best with our industry right now is that you do get ventilation system that is high, highly efficient, that just takes care of your fresh air. HRV. HRV um, as efficient as you can. I used to sell Zender, and they're really, really up there. And then you add very likely just a mini split system okay. because that will do your heating. It will do a little bit of your cooling and it will do dehumidification. That's pretty much all you need. There's a constant, constant argument whether or not you should put all the heating into the HRV system as well. But the problem with that is during your shoulder seasons, you don't need to add any heat or cooling and so then you just need fresh air. You need fresh air. So separate the system. So you separate that. So it's not HVAC anymore. It's what would that be? Heating. Uh, one of them is separated. Heat out exchanging of is all it would heat, be. Heat, air. Uh, I don't know. You, you take one of the letters out of it. Well, that, he, he, um, recovery. Sorry. It's heating, venting, and air conditioning. Oh, yeah. That's okay. HVAC, so it's, right? It's really, you take the V out of, and then it's H. Hack plus V. <laughs> <laughs> you can combine the heating and the, and the, and the cooling, but the ventilation just you, do that. You know actually. what? I'm really interested to talk to our HVAC show to hear you say how much you really appreciate HRV means a lot. Because you hang on a sec, HRV does not connect it to the heating system. No, but it's still moving air. It's like, but the cold right now is it. It has to be connected to the heating system. I don't know. We build it all the time without it. In the OBC, well, it has code, its own intake and exhaust. Yeah, no, so no. maybe maybe it's engineers override to, it. It's tied to the. Maybe H there's another thing that should be changed. Well, that, I've always disagreed with it. The same way I've disagreed with mixing valves on hot water tanks. I've disagreed with that as well. So no, no, the HRV is actually connected to the heating system. There's quite a few things if you get into the code that. Oh, there's that thousands are, of things. That's funny, but yeah, that's a whole other argument. Who but. writes these codes? 
<laughs> well, that's Mr. Code. It's actually because the code is just like they started protecting the homeowner from crappy home buildings, and then they just kind of tweezed, uh, twisted, and turned all these little things on top. It's just too many layers. Now, I believe that the minimum code protects the homeowner to a certain extent from bad contractors. But let's mm. face it, 99% of contractors don't have a license. The code is crazy too. I'm actually going through the BCIN <laughs> thing right now. And just the fact that there's no drawings in it, it's crazy. How are you supposed to understand that stuff? I just didn't realize that there is no drawings in there. My, in my building right there now, isn't. I have a yeah. roof. The, my... Um, code compliance inspector at the city he said that my batting so i have a i have a roof and then i have an airspace for proper ventilation and then i have the second for water a dry rock. barrier blah 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 yeah yeah and he and i had bats in there that, that are um, no, strapping that is two by two and he said it actually needs to be a two by three and i cannot find it but it's like because you can't just open this code up and look where is the where is the nice the picture for the roof there's an actual book that gives all the illustrations with it, which is awesome as a, you know, a second book. Right no, you're right. Code, and, but it's so complicated and, to understand. And, they're and they there. change so fast. They're, they're not there to show you how to do it. They're I know just there to tell you that you have to do it. Yeah. On, the, on the topic of change, I know a friend of mine who is an electrician, he says he doesn't bother about trying to figure out the, the latest changes anymore because the, the inspector is just going to point out that something has changed and then yeah. he will redo the job. And, the, and he's, the worst he's a commercial part, electrician, but he just says, I can't keep up with all the changes. If I do something wrong, he's going to just point it out and I'm going to change it. And, and the worst part about that is a lot of these inspectors, they're not actually following the rule book or the code book. They're reinventing some stuff because it's their preference. So yeah. I've run into inspectors where we had to fight them at their office in the city and say, that's not actually a fact. That's just your personal preference. And I don't care about yeah. your personal preference. If minimum code is minimum code, then why are we changing that now? That was Carlito pone, uh, picking a bone with uh, the city of uh, Toronto. And not all the guys, <laughs> but there are a lot. And there's a lot of city inspectors that aren't educated to the updates either. And he's still picking the bone. <laughs> <laughs> but their hands are tied too. Yeah. <laughs> Their hands are tied like mine are. <laughs> All right, that's honey. a German thing. <laughs> <laughs> this this has been this has been great, man. We should we should reconnect and do it again next year, like in a few months, and and just see where we we're at. But uh, yeah, there's so many changes. I'm on the same page. What's man? your I'd, handle? I'd love to build it. He's pinwheel. Pinwheel builds. So pinwheel structures is the company. Well, technically, it's pinwheel building supplies Inc. But I'm going under pinwheel structures. A pinwheel builds is the handle on Instagram. On Instagram, yeah, you've wherever. been a little quiet on Instagram lately. I put a pause sign on it <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> no, actually, so I was quiet during the summer. Yeah, I picked up again. Yeah, and now for for the holiday, I put a pause sign on it. Put a pause. I literally took a like a, a musical pause sign and put it on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lots of information here, lots to digest, man, lots to discuss, and and I, I guess yeah, there's people got to be more was aware. Very politically diplomatic no, kind of tippy-toeing. No. No. I was trying to see, you know, one challenge that I was trying to to do is to see whether or not we could remove the E sign uh, for explicit <laughs> on the podcast. That's easy so to I do. Didn't... That's easy to do. I don't uh, think we actually like, swore that much. 
I, I tried to not. And so I, I'll remove that it. That was worry. like an, that was a challenge underlying that I tried to. Put. I'll remove it. Hey, we we actually do have like three or four of them that yeah. are not explicit, right? So yeah, because there were children around. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When, Little baby when, builders. When adults are listening to this, I think we should just be ourselves. But when I see children or older women walking by, and I'm European guy, I'm, I'm I, I get a slap in the head if I say swear. So uh, I change a little bit around public. <laughs> uh, good. Thank you very much, Hans. Thank you. Really appreciate you taking out the trek out here to our little home. And anything else to add? I could keep talking, but I he know. He beat uh, your question before you could ask. I know that's funny. Which Actually, is I, I change. I'm been changing it up because I don't want to have the same. Oh questions. yeah, you, did, you should ask him that question. Yeah. Then. So I, I always now my new question is is that yeah I don't want people to get used to the same questions right. <laughs> so uh, the recent question is now and just for now it could end up not being different after you <laughs> is. What would you invent to make your business more efficient? To that's, make it that's easier? That's not a difficult oh. question, huh? Wow, that is. <laughs> well, I had to change tricky. it up. He beat me to my first question. It's <laughs> a massive question. What would I invent? Well, I would. I would have invented it and tried to get rich of it. No, but there's it. a lot of, there's a lot of, like I find when I speak to contractors, there's a lot of things that could make their life easier and they would never invent it. They just mm. wish it was there so they could use so, it. So yeah, the one thing that makes, makes my life very hard is actually something that the whole material industry in North America is very standardized, was created around technically prefabrication in the smallest form. So a stud, that a stud is a certain length, um, is, is trying to standardize the whole industry. Mm, but that standardization actually creates a lot of Problems. issues. Because I would like to just, yeah. Well, we, so we have to build the sizes of lumber. Is that what you're saying? Well, here's the yeah. problem that so, I have So with... for instance, to yeah. make, so if you look at prefabrication in Germany, they will use a product called Firmacell, which is their drywall product. And they buy it in two and a half meters by five meters. If you can wrap your head around it. It's the size of this room. Two and a half meters by five meters. So five. seven. Yeah. It's so like ten because, feet. Ten yes, feet. Yes, because you're, you're prefabricating everything on a table. They t then have this delivered on a truck. It's just a big skid. And then they take a big suction cup and just place this entire thing wow. onto the wall before it even leaves your factory. But because of these standardized sizes that we have here i have to figure out now how can i use them efficiently so that would be something i wouldn't invent it i would uninvent it what i would agree you, with you man i like that how would you uninvent something? <laughs> <laughs> here's here's the problem that i have with fences why are fences always built eight foot wide panels six foot tall six six is a max isn't it well, no, that's code is six or whatever, but because they want to sell four by four for posts that are 10 feet long, four feet go down for the frost and then mm. six feet stick out. Then the two by fours are eight foot long. Yeah. But why those fences so, fail at those measurements? They don't work at those measurements. Are they too high or? They're too long. The span is too long for oh, a two by span, four, yeah. right? Yeah. So I agree with you. Like the so, building materials, the way they've been designed for North American market yeah. are incorrect. When I build a first floor, nine foot ceiling, no, with nine foot it works. Uh, with a 10 foot ceiling, I have to use a 12 foot stud. Right. And then you have work. to waste. And so I'm that cutting lumber. all that waste. Off. Right. Yeah. I think your dentist just called. 
<laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> quarter two. <laughs> quarter two. Hans, thank you very much, man. Thank really you. appreciate it, man. This is really I want to switch it up. <laughs> Get out the flesh. A little bit of retro German. <laughs> With a little bit of rap. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get out of here. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Get us out of here. The 416, baby. baby. Tio! Right here. <laughs>